David, I just want you to know that last week we talked about worship and confirmation, and I asked the confirmants what their favorite parts of worship were and their least favorite parts, and um, someone, Canon Kirk, said that his favorite part of worship was when we don't have to stand to sing the hymn. <laughs> you just ruined his whole morning. Our gospel lesson uh, comes from Luke 21, 5 through 19, and it will present a very different picture than the Isaiah passage we read um, or heard read earlier. Um, and my attempt this morning will be to hold these two passages together. I'm saying a lot of what we just sang in that hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. But as we prepare to hear God's word this day, let us pray. Eternal God, in the reading of the scripture, may your word be heard. In the meditations of our hearts, may your word be known. And in the faithfulness of our lives, may your word be shown. Amen. So reading from Luke 21, verses 5 through 19. When some were speaking about the temple, how it was adorned with beautiful stones and gifts dedicated to God, he said, As for these things that you see, the days will come when not one stone will be left upon another. All will be thrown down. They asked him, Teacher, when will this be, and what will be the sign that this is about to take place? And he said, Beware that you are not led astray. For many will come in my name and say, I am he, and the time is near. Do not go after them. When you hear of wars and insurrections, do not be terrified. For these things must take place first, but the end will not follow immediately. Then he said to them, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes and in various places, famines and plagues, and there will be dreadful portents and great signs from heaven. But before all this occurs, they will arrest you and persecute you. They will hand you over to synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors because of my name. This will give you an opportunity to testify. So make up your minds not to prepare your defense in advance, for I will give you words and a wisdom that none of your opponents will be able to withstand or contradict. You will be betrayed even by parents and brothers, by relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death. You'll be hated by all because of my name, but not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain your souls. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. <clears throat> now, during our time in quarantine, my family was like a lot of other families and individuals. Uh, we used our never-ending time at home together to go through some of our favorite movies and TV shows. We rewatched all the Marvel movies, but there was a TV drama that I kind of forced my daughter to watch, um, to watch with me. The other two kids refused, but she ended up enjoying it, I think. The drama West Wing that began in 1999. I will say, when she took AP government, she said she already knew a lot of the stuff because we watched West Wing and Law and Order together. I don't know if that's a parenting win, 
but I will take it. Rewatching this series with my daughter reminded me of one of my favorite scenes. It's later on in the drama. The once chief of staff, Leo McGarry, well, he pulls all the leadership of the West Wing into a room with a whiteboard. He's written a number on the board. He asks them to remember the goals, the dreams, the visions they had as they began this journey together, as they dreamed about the White House, planned for their time in the White House, entered the White House. He jotted these down the board as they shared, and then the number. The number was the number of days they had left to accomplish all these dreams and goals and visions. And then he got to the point. There's a lot of stuff out there that will pull you away from this, he said, from the goal, from the dream. A lot of stuff out there that will make you believe it is more important. It will take your time, your energy, it will steal your days. It will distract you just enough so that you lose sight of the dream, the goal, until you believe it isn't even possible. Okay, I'll be very honest. Um, that is not the speech that Leo McGarry said on the show, but that's what I felt. What I took from this scene and why it's one of my favorites, one of the memorable moments in the show for me. And this is clearly not something that the writers of West Wing just came up with. They named a reality, a reality that exists for all of us on large and small scales. I mean, the fictional President Jed Bartlett and his White House staff were not the first to occupy the White House and get distracted by the weight of all the things. I was watching a documentary once on President Lyndon B. Johnson and there was this entire segment on how frustrated Johnson was because he had this vision of America he wanted to cast, to create, the great society, but he couldn't get the traction he desired because his presidency had to grapple with so many other things, most of them very necessary things pulling him and his staff in other directions. Now on a smaller scale and a lighter note, how many of you have ever walked into a room only to forget what you walked in there to do or to retrieve? It probably didn't even take a large distraction for you to forget. Apparently just walking into a different room sometimes throws us off course. Isaiah and Luke both speak to this idea of being distracted but in very different ways. So different that, as I said, I really struggled with how to hold both of these passages together. The prophet Isaiah speaks to a people who have returned to a destroyed home in a deep time of despair. For such a long time, the people have, li have lived in a world marred by the effects of violence and injustice, enforced by one empire after another, and Isaiah enters singing God's dream. Luke has Jesus speaking about destruction. 
being asked questions about when will this happen? How do we know? To which Jesus says, don't be led astray. Don't get distracted. In Isaiah, the prophet dreams of a restored and healed world, a world where there will be food security, where people will be able to enjoy the fruits of their labor, where people will have access to adequate, affordable housing, where there will be no infant mortality, and people will be not be cut off in the prime of their lives by the violence of war, but instead will grow to be a hundred, a world restored. Isaiah so beautifully envisions this world that when we read it, we think, what a happy little picture. Wouldn't that be nice? But the weight of all the stuff out there pulls us away from this dream. A lot of stuff out there will indeed distract you enough so that you lose sight of the dream, the goal, until you believe it isn't even possible. But Isaiah's vision of a healed and restored world, well, it occurs very much amid the contention and strife of the world. The vision occurs in a season of discontent, economic hardship, ongoing political strife, in other words, this is no cute little utopian vision for Isaiah, not something he cast out into the world so that people just feel better. No, Isaiah says, this is the goal, and invites all with ears to hear to not get distracted. Don't let all that stuff weigh you down. Hang on to hope. Mirror and encourage in some small measure this renewed creation promised by God. And Luke, Luke appears to give the opposite of Isaiah. Not a vision of peace and restoration, but of destruction and turmoil and persecution. And Jesus does not say these things will not happen. Jesus says they will. But he also says, beware that you are not led astray. When you hear of wars and insurrection, do not be terrified. This will give you an opportunity to testify. Don't let the evil and the hurt and the violence of this world win. Don't let it distract. Don't let it have say over you. Remember me, Jesus says. Remember my life, my teachings. Remember the kingdom of God. As I was holding all this in my mind um, Saturday morning, as I was getting ready to go out to a very cold early morning soccer game, I had the news on in the background, and there was a Veterans Day story, and I only caught pieces of it. But it made me think of these passages. So as a veteran who every day, part of his continued calling was to walk to this local Veterans Memorial Park until one day he became unable to make this walk. A local woman who knew about his tradition decided to help. She reached out, raised enough funds to get him a motorized scooter, and then enough money came in to get him another motorized scooter. 
And so far, they have partnered together and raised enough money to give 55 veterans a motorized scooter. Have they fixed all the problems that veterans face? No. Have they found a way to make wars cease? No. But their work is not done, and they did not let the weight of those other realities stop them. What they did, they did in the midst of continued struggles and hardships among some of our veterans, in the midst of the reality of war, they created this little piece of God's dream right where they are. We could say it as simple as a little kindness, a little love, a little healing and restoration. In Isaiah, God speaks of renewal after destruction, emphasizing that God's victory will come in full. Trust in the end, not in current experiences. Don't let the weight of all those things distract you. Luke reminds us of the church's witness during the time of the world in which they find themselves. It may name destructions and calamities, but it does so to say these things, these broken ways of being in the world will be here, they will happen, they will exist. Don't get distracted. Remember the reign of God revealed in the self-giving of Jesus is the end and the church's hope. Endure in the walk of Jesus. There's much more to the story than what the world knows and much more activity by God than what the world can see. Here's another way to think of it. I went to Camp Wesley Pines this past Tuesday to join other board members for our quarterly meeting. We talked about dreams for the camp, goals, vision casting, and the director, Chap Fenwick, well, he talked about another camp he had visited. And he said, as soon as you enter the camp, you step into that first building, there's this model of where the camp will go, the dreams, the hopes, the vision. The camp may not look like that tomorrow, or next month, or next year, or even in 10 years, but what greets you is this vision, this model that says what is happening here is meaningful, long-lasting, it's exciting. There's new life emerging, new steps, new directions, and just in case you ever start to forget this or get distracted or start to lose sight of the dream, the goal, until you believe it isn't even possible, this model is there to say, hey, it's not over yet. The prophet Isaiah stands as a voice throughout generations to speak against all that stuff out there that will pull you away from God's dream. A lot of stuff that will make you believe it's more important, that will take your time, your energy. It will steal your days. It will distract you just enough that you lose sight of the dream until you believe it isn't even possible. Isaiah stands as a voice to say, what God is doing in the world is meaningful. It's long lasting, it's exciting. There's new life emerging. 
new steps, new directions. And just in case you ever start to forget this or get distracted, the prophetic voice is there to say, hey, it's not over. In Luke, Jesus says there will be things that will happen in your life on earth. It may appear as if God's plan and work has been undermined. It is not so. Despite the seeming signs of disaster, God is still in charge. God is faithful. It's not over yet. We are to trust and in trusting, we are to live out with faithfulness the calling we have been given. God's faithfulness invites human faithfulness. May it be so. Amen.